0: everybody welcome back to another great interview that we're going to be kicking off here today on our uh, nothing but the tooth podcast today i've got somebody who it's funny we were talking about this you know I, i followed on facebook and had you know different interactions with i feel like in facebook groups and the dental community and then a few weeks back we actually were able to get connected for the first time and we both were saying why haven't we chatted, you know, before this? Like we, you know, we it was like meant to be. But I have uh, Maritza Duran here with me today and she is the owner of Mdent, which is a consulting company that helps first-time practice owners. So if they're, you know, stepping out into maybe the startup world and starting up, you know, their own practice or maybe they're acquiring a practice and they're going to be a first-time practice owner, uh Mdent and Maritza help with basically getting that practice you know up and running helping with their uh, systems and everything that they're gonna need to be successful so Maritza first off thank you for joining me here on a Friday morning
1: thank you so much for the invite I am so excited and looking forward to having this conversation with you and um, and yes I'm ready and excited I want to get um, answer all of your questions and learn so much from you exactly what you said we are I connected with you a couple of weeks ago and I said I've been working behind the scenes and it's time for me to get out there and start networking and I have been following you as well and um, have seen your work and some of the results that you have given some of uh, doctors that I've seen in all of the social media channels and I was like I need to connect with this guy and I'm, and I'm glad I did and I'm excited and happy to, to be connected with you both on the personal note and to learn more about you and all of the things that you do in the dental community as far as marketing so that i can also share all of your knowledge with my client base as well and make sure that we're letting helping dentists become really profitable and successful
0: yeah and that's something you know we're, we're both passionate about because you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen it all both in our experience and the dental industry. And some of the things that we're going to talk about, just so the audience is aware is we're really going to, you know, the hot topic or the elephant in the room that everybody mentions is, you know, the economy. And right now, you know, what can you do as a practice owner to uh, set yourself up for success in what, you know, some would consider an unpredictable uh, economic state that we're in. But but before we jump into that, I always like to know people's story as far as like how long have you been in dentistry? Like, what is it that that also led you from your experience in the dental world to make that jump and to start up MDent?
1: So, my story is very, uh, everyone's story is unique and, and, and amazing. Uh, but my story goes back to 1998. I was working as a uh, as a cashier in a supermarket and um and there was someone that was going to a dental assistant school um that really noticed uh, my personality, i suppose and 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 said hey, i'm I'm working in this dental office. Would you like to come in? We need a second dental assistant, and we're willing to train. and so i I was always jumping into opportunities. At the time, I was living on my own. I actually came to America when I was twelve years old, and at the age of fourteen, I left my house. Don't ask me why or how. Well, I'll tell you why. I came to America, but my mother stayed back home. I came to live with my father, but I really never had a relationship with him. Um, and and I have to say, like I, I I wanted it to work, but it didn't work. And so I left the house when I was 14 years old. So I was homeless. I was renting rooms, and I had to get into the job force while I was a freshman in high school. And wow. so. When I started this, when I was working as a cashier, I was always trying to find the next better position, if you will, and the opportunity came along for me to work in a dental office, and long story short, I started there in 1998, 2004, the owner of that practice decided to buy a second location, and gave me the opportunity to become the front desk slash office manager. I had no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) Yes, say that again?
0: How old were you during this
1: i was i was 16 when i started in the as a dental assistant and then i was i think 1920 when i was given the front desk position at the startup that was in 2004 wow and that office i gotta tell you i came in with no experience at the front other than here are the list of insurances here are the phone numbers to the insurance companies make it however you can and my former employer he was very ambitious very um, driven by 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 growing personally but I was his employee his responsibility to me was to give me a position and make it uh, create opportunities for me but I tapped into this opportunity I was out for like all the different local businesses in the area and I had meetings with the owners of the businesses to just say hey I'm I'm new at this office we're trying to grow our patient base. Can you help us? And so a lot of these providers would refer their patients to us. I actually had my very first dental assistant, this is a pediatric dental office, um, and I had a relationship, I built a relationship with a pediatrician, and he allowed for my first dental assistant to be sitting in their waiting room to schedule appointments for their patients to our office at the beginning of our practice. So. Wow i was able to take the office from zero with no experience and we i turned it into a 2.8 million dollar practice now the story doesn't end there because five years into me managing this office it's like five years and then five years five years into me running this practice i have a relationship with an, uh, an agent from a particular insurance carrier and he brings up to my attention that there were different pockets in the state where they needed specialists And He wanted to get a meeting with my former employer and he was already an absentee owner He came into my practice. We opened it and I was basically in charge of hiring some of the associates that were working for us And he remained uh, working primarily in his main office the first one and his vision was to continue to expand so I facilitated this this relationship that resulted in adding another 13 locations to his to his portfolio if you will and we became a dso practice um uh, group in 2016. i had a one-year-old child at the time and i started to notice all of the changes similar to what happens to the associates when they're they're thinking about they're working for 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 a corporation or an employer where it's already not in alignment with their vision and they want to start something of their own and that's where it hit me when I had my first son um, I had already purchased my house I was managing and overseeing 15 offices um, and and I and I noticed that a lot of the associates that were working for the group they had the dream of starting their own offices and it was to bring back to a certain community and have a business model uh, and, 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 and a mission that was driven by adding value and also they were lost. They didn't know how to get the office up and running what what it took as far as running the business side. and so the an opportunity came from there and I took the leap of faith in 2016 to quit my job and and it's been it's been quite an interesting journey as a business owner. I started with just myself and a babysitter that was like my first best hire and um, and since i've I've helped over three hundred dentists launch their offices and operate their offices successfully so i'm very proud of the work and my journey thus far and i want to be able to continue to add value to these dentists who are first-time business owners and want to basically um, start and grow a business that it's both profitable and fulfilling because they want to add value to themselves they want to add value and secure their family's future and add value to the community that it's so necessary now in the world of these DSOs and, and, and these models that are out there that don't necessarily serve our communities.
0: Yeah, and you know, something that you know you said there as far as you're know, growing your business and and that's amazing what you have done, you know, since going out and doing that the own and I always tell people I have such a respect for anybody who goes out and starts their own business, whether it's a consulting business whether it's a dental practice, a bakery, whatever it is, it takes an extreme amount of courage and I had actually seen a post on Facebook you had made the other day and I made a comment about uh, a business is like a child. It takes a village to make it work. And when you had mentioned you were starting out with just like a babysitter, it's like babysitter played a role in in what? this company, you know, yeah, running. I, sure. I I remember starting out, I would I was sending this is 20 about 2015, 2016 as well. I would send letters, handwritten letters, to offices, and I would wax seal them to make them stand out. And me, my wife, and my mom would be like up at 11:30 at night helping me wax seal these letters to send them out while I'm still working a full time, you know, job. So it t- it definitely takes a village there. Um, this is a great you know opportunity for us to talk a little bit about you know anybody who comes into a new business there is a learning curve i i was fortunate to have mentors that you know kind of showed me the way but i didn't have somebody walking me step step by step through it with a practice when you come in whether you're a startup or you're acquiring there are so many things you don't know that you don't know right it's just you've exactly. never had to deal with so when you are starting uh um, i'll say let's say with a startup or an acquisition you know, what's something that you see as maybe one of the two one or two blind spots that you see dentists uh, make or what are those kind of couple mistakes that maybe people overlook right at the get go?
1: So one major mistake that I notice is not having clarity in the business model, um, and creating that alignment with the area where you are going to set up shop or 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 select your location because This is a commitment that is gonna go for years to come. You don't wanna practice that is just serving your immediate needs or it's an opportunity. I always say this, uh, success is where planning and opportunity meet. And I feel that whether it's a startup or an acquisition, it's a long-term commitment. And the very first thing that I see dentists make uh, the mistake is not having that clarity on what their business model is and the patients they love treating and the clinical skills that they want that they have and the type of services that they want to provide and whether or not the community and where they are anticipating to open the community wants and need that service or have the disposable income so just for plain language they try to put uh makeup on a pig right like lipstick on a pig because my broker just found this amazing deal for me and i'm just going to go into it but it's not the patient base that i want to serve and they are not able to afford the clinical skills that i've developed or what i envision myself seeing and or the space is um this this big and and it's an opportunity because it's it's um affordable now but then i'm going to outgrow it in the future so understanding and having a plan first of a very clear vision of the, the dentistry that you want to provide and finding that location that it's in alignment with what you want to uh, uh, add value back that is going to serve you and make you happy. Because if you, it doesn't matter if you have a business owner and you're treating the, the, the wrong patients, you're going to be miserable and you're going to make everyone around you miserable as well.
0: Yeah. So that's yeah. one
1: major mistake I see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other hiccup that people fall into as well is on the insurance side. Uh, I see that as well. Um, one, just training a team member who, because we work with a lot of uh, startups and some of them, you know, we've heard say, you know, this person didn't have really any experience, but you know, job market's hard right now to find people. They had a good personality, but teaching them, insurance, it's, it's almost like teaching, you know, like calculus or something at times, right? What are some of the pitfalls that you find on that? And maybe what are some ways that, you know, MDent has, has been able to, to help that, that pain point for offices?
1: So one of the things that I teach my clients is that, um, in order for you to build a successful business, you have to have that clarity, but you need to have a strategy. And you need to really gauge what the needs are for the community and be flexible. So one of the very first things that I did, and when I, when I left my job and I started working on my own, a lot of people had, uh, encouraged me because I had already been successful at helping our former group negotiate reimbursements with the insurance companies. And I was very hands-on with hiring people just like me with no dental experience in the field and converting them into amazing like i did some amazing hires people that are that are still working for the group and they came in with absolutely no experience so you do need to have someone that is going to hold their hand and mentor them from the beginning um i'm so excited because a lot of our like a lot of the companies out there and i encourage every new dentist to get help with setting up their insurance contracts starting out because when you do it yourself your lack of understanding and knowledge about your options that are available for you are going to hinder your ability to position your fees for the perpetuity of your practice but at the same time one mistake that i see out there is that there are companies that focus on doing the contracting and they are prioritizing the long-term benefit of the practice without providing the support that the team needs to make sure that there's cash flow at the beginning of your startup to sustain the business and make sure that you're in the journey of growing. So I'll give you an example. One of the packages that we offer is insurance contracting and negotiations with training. And the reason why we've added this component is because we understand that in order for a dental practice to position their fees long-term, there needs to be a lot of legwork. We need to um, understand and map out the different strategies. We need to do market research, understand who the top employers are. Um, And to give the clients or dentists the ability to hire someone for, like you said, a good personality without the dental background, you're going to want to know who's going to train them because it is inevitable that we're going to make mistakes at the beginning. And so my advice to the doctors is, take your time to find a company that is going to not only help you and empower you by coaching you through the process and have a done with you for you approach to the insurance contracting part of it because you are going to have ultimately this long-term relationship with the insurance companies, not that my company or any other company that you may retain to help you for that part of your uh, startup project, if you will. And the second piece is, the volume of clients that they may be taking on supersedes the their ability to work on your project in a timely fashion for you to have the effective dates that are in alignment with your launch date like your soft opening day Um, you want to position your fees long term but you also need to have uh, the proper training for the staff because A lot of times we we have clients and they may have one or two insurances that are not active by the time they start, but we offer them best practices for how to make sure that you're managing the patient experience temporarily during that gap so that you're not turning patients away because they're the life flow of your business. And you want, if they show you interest of coming into your practice and you pick up the phone and all you can say is, We're still waiting for the credentialing to take place. It's going to turn patients away and you're, you're spending money to have a service done and it shouldn't be done and you shouldn't be left out, you know, in the woods, if you will, without the proper handholding. So it is a mistake. A lot of companies don't take this into consideration. They feel like, oh, if I'm able to get the doctor thousand dollars for a crown and they would have gotten $300 uh, less. Uh, by doing it themselves, then I'm happy with it. But what if you can get the $1,000 and have the proper training so that you can help accelerate their growth and not turn patients away? This is crucial. And so uh, just to give you a quick example, I have two dentists. One, you know, obviously I had a dentist reach out to me not too long ago. And a few years back when I had... Less visibility or positioning, if you will, in the marketplace. We had conversations, but it didn't materialize. Um, To about a month or two ago, they reached out to me and they said, "Oh, Maritza, you know, like I wish I would have worked with you." And I said, "Well, how's the office doing? How can I help you?" Um, She's like, "Well, we've been open for three years, and um, but we're noticing a lot of turnover. Like, I my staff is just not staying." So I asked a couple of questions. I said, "You know." How many days are you open she's like well I'm still keeping my associate position and I'm here three days a week and I'm noticing that my staff just you know like I have this person that it's leaving and the other one that it's left and so on so imagine you know the burden for the employees when they don't see themselves as having a secure job and you're competing with these DSOs that offer benefits that have a full-time schedule so all these early decisions um, as you're making the decisions on who to hire and who to work with and, and be, to be part of your team of advisors has a long-term impact in your profitability so and and in contrast i have my clients that've been able to quit their associate positions and they're still having been able to create long-term positions for their employees because they're able to open 4 days a week and have a full schedule they get the fees negotiated, but they have the training so the staff, the front desk person, does not feel um, lost. They feel like they have the support. The dentist feels like they have the support, and it's a win-win for everyone. So that is another uh, mistake that I see out there in the market. And as, as a company, we're, we're trying to always innovate and find out what's missing out there that we can help solve and improve on. And that's one of the things that we've done we offer the insurance uh, contracting with training so that you guys have immediate best fees position with the hand holding support for you and for your staff to make sure that you hit the ground running from the moment you open your your doors
0: and you know that's so important i see that all the time too because if especially people like at the front desk you know, they're balancing numerous different uh, things at once. And so if they're struggling with, you know, working with the insurance companies, for example, then they're going to, that's going to cross over in how they're talking to patients when they are answering the phone, that stress, it's impossible to, you know, if you're feeling stressed or unsure of something for that, not to carry over into other pieces of that job, which at the end of the day is going to hurt your First impression many times that you're leaving with patients or if patient feels like, like you said earlier, if they're, you know, they don't really know, you know, the office doesn't really know whether or not, you know, they're in network or if they don't, you know, if that contracts or whatever the case is. So it's, it's so, yeah, it's, it, that's a vital thing right off the get go. This is why I'm an advocate of getting somebody in your corner who knows this who knows how to do it there's no sense in trying to reinvent the wheel and learning through you know tons of failures These and whatnot people, at we, that, yeah.
1: they're afraid I, I've been there like it's not the same when you have when when it's you are concerned about your ability to maintain a job and so if my role is to learn the insurance I am going to prioritize Working and learning and just dealing with the insurance and I'm going to jeopardize my ability to connect with the patients because I'm trying to Protect the money from the office uh, so that I can Maintain my position right like they're new employees They're trying to help you grow and they're afraid of losing and making losing their jobs by making mistakes So they're going to overemphasize the and, and in their minds and this is something that I teach all my students in your mind, insurance is secondary to care. Always prioritize connecting and dealing with your patients first. And in your mind, that's the priority. Then the insurance becomes secondary. And this mind shift helps me help their the, the offices take off faster. Because in a lot of situations, the dentists are just driven by the insurance and the front desk's ability to handle the insurance questions with the patients. And they jeopardize these early stages where it's so crucial for you to manage the patient relationship so that they can become like fans of your practice and and really feel that they're there for the care that they're going to receive, not for how the insurance is structured. So the insurance shouldn't be the driver of the relationship between you and your patients. And we try to help navigate that, um, you know, with, with our doctors and with their higher team.
0: Yeah. I feel like you and I could do a whole episode on just insurance. We could do a whole day training. (laughs) We we might have to. We might have to. Yeah, schedule another one just on insurance because I know that that's a topic that everybody you know has um, questions about for sure. But that was yeah, great advice, especially putting the care first, insurance second. I think you know more more people you know need to emphasize that in their own practice. I do want to you know kind of segue into right now as we're recording this, we're in December. Of 2022 coming into a new year, and with that, you know, if you turn on, you know, the news, whatever the case is, everybody's talking about, you know, I call it the R word, right? Uh, is is there a recession on on you yes, know, coming up? Yeah. Are we in a recession? Some people say we're in one right now. Whatever the case is, that. Hearing that from a person who maybe is at an associateship, they're unhappy. They're like, I just got to get out. I want to start my own thing or I want to acquire a practice. I want to be an owner and do things my way. I hear these stories all the time. But they may be sitting here thinking, is now not the time to do it? And I I would say you have to be cautious from my experience because – sometimes you can wait forever for the right opportunity and the right opportunity will just never come. Like sometimes you just have to do it. So I want to get your thoughts and kind of what you're seeing in the market as far as right now in acquiring, starting up a practice is now the time to do it. And if so, you know, what are things that you can do to kind of make yourself as bulletproof as possible in a rocky you know, economic climate?
1: So I think dentists are in a very good position for starting a business. And one of the reasons is because everyone needs dental care. Um, COVID was one of those things that proved um, as far as dentistry as a business is concerned, forget about the, the lockdown and not being able to treat patients for a certain time. But one of the things that have come out of that is the understanding that in commercial real estate, dentists are the ideal tenant to have in any kind of you know uh, um, uh, space if you will because we tend to have businesses that are solid what happens is if you don't have a strategic plan you can make any business work in dentistry anywhere but you just have to like I said earlier have that clarity and be able to be flexible so that if you end up selecting a particular uh, site that you create a plan for that particular office because you don't want to come in and impose your business model onto a community that it's not willing and able to receive what you are there to offer. So I'm always a very big advocate of finding that alignment. I have a current client, he's asked me to run a couple of demographic reports and he's like, okay, let's jump into the uh, the dental piece of it. But I said, you know, like we have to look at um, the diversity, the, the uh, the you know, the, the projections, if you will, of, of the growth in that area. And we need to map out who is your ideal patient, right? And we need to look at the age group of your specialty. Who are you going to be rendering and where is this patient pool congregated? So that then we can start narrowing down and start looking for a location. And based on the location that you, we find, then we can create a blueprint if you will and um and the way that we do that for our clients is um we help them do the break-even analysis with revenue projections and we've been very lucky and 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 say and i should say um excited to be able to have the doctors that have worked with us Create that alignment and be able to like I said, you know, I have a dentist that launched her office in January And we did the reports for like her ongoing growth and managing the growth after we open like we don't only Help them find the location and get the keys We jump into the practice after they're treating patients because we want to mentor the team Make sure that our projections and, and and all of the strategies that we do we roll up our sleeves to help them with the implementation so this doctor is should be already at seven hundred thousand dollars in her first year she she started on january 12th this year and so you know i have other clients out there that have similar success stories and the reason why is because we have been able to map out a strategy and create this blueprint and roll up our sleeves to create alignment between their desired business model and helping them execute with whether we need to participate with insurances, how aggressive do we need to be or conservative, how's the marketing going to play into this strategy, and who do we hire to make sure that they are enhancing the perceived value of the practice based on the business model that we're trying to incorporate, and all of these other components. So is it the, not the best time? I was watching um, a webinar from Moody's. Uh, I, is it Moody's? Yes. Uh, recently this weekend they were talking about the economy 2022 and projections for 2023 and one of the things that they did say are we in a recession according to them we're not uh, you know the inflation is partly uh, uh, according to them don't quote me on this um, it's partially based on the real estate market and um, and also based on the energy prices because of the war in I in, in in um between russia and ukraine so these things like depending on where you're opening you want to take a look at the real estate market where you are as a startup dentist if you're thinking about leaving your associate position you have leverage and you are an interesting qualifying um good tenant because dentistry is one of those industries that has been proven to be very solid but you want to be mindful of the growth projections in that area where you're going to open and be flexible to make sure that when we start a business we start a business for a service that people want and need, so that box gets checked out uh, a service that you can promote and that you're able to render but at the same time that people can afford to and are willing to buy from you so all of those three components all those boxes need to be checked in order for you to make uh, make it a uh, a successful decision, but I will encourage anybody th- that is thinking. Uh, when the economy is bad, if if you have a plan, th- we started doing this expansion, by the way, with my former employer after the ni- the 2008 market crash. And and again, you know, we opened 13 offices. We were opening two offices a year during that time frame. So wow. the economy, when it's down, they you know Warren Buffett. A lot of people say when when things are bad is when good entrepreneurs come in and they shine, right? Um, So this is, you know, this is winter for the economy, but if you have a a, a strong plan in place and and the right team of advisors, you can make this the best time for you to start your own practice.
0: 100%. And I I always, you know, tell people, dentistry is pretty recession-proof because if you have to be flexible, it's like, yeah, maybe people aren't going to, Be doing, you know, full smile makeovers and veneers and these type of things, but there's going to be emergencies. There's going to be basic restorative care that needs to take place. And I saw it a lot with uh, 2020 when the lockdown happened you know, practices shifted into emergency dentistry mode for the ones that still wanted to try to see patients um, because you you could technically do that. But then even coming out of the lockdown, many of the offices that we worked with and just, you know, had a um, hand in, they had record years even with the shutdown, which was like, whoa, like how many other industries could say that? Um, yeah. uh, cert- certainly like the hospitality industry could not say that, you know, restaurants and these things so that is one thing that as a practice owner i feel like you can have some uh you know solace you know there at least starting your own business is a scary you
1: know thought it takes a lot of courage
0: yeah it it absolutely does and so with that i know we're starting to get you know short on time here but i i want to know you know in your experience you've done this for a long time now you've seen a lot of practices you know, Excel, you've seen others struggle, I'm sure, in your time in dentistry over the years. What's maybe like two things that you notice is a trend or is a common uh, characteristic that the most successful practice owners, especially in those first, you know, first two years or so have? What would you say kind of that that comes down to?
1: I say one of the things I've noticed is the most successful dentists, cut through the noise. I think that cutting through the noise and, and just not jumping into over-consuming and, and getting too many people involved in your projects is, is, is important. You want to be able to find one mentor, one person that has done exactly what you want to do and then cut through the noise from everybody else. So that's one thing I've seen a lot of successful dentists do. The second thing that a lot of dentists do is First, they think about their patients and their team and then themselves. Like profitability to me is from the Essex value that you put out there, whatever is remaining becomes your growth. And so you have as a business owner the responsibility to nurture and grow your team and satisfy your patients' needs. Then you put yourself last. So your first responsibility is to your team because without them, you cannot practice dentistry, right? There's a whole funnel before the patient sits in your chair. And second, the patient needs need to be met and you have to be flexible to make sure that you prioritize that. So those to me are the two things that I see that successful dentists have a very clear plan on executing on that. And I'm a, you know, I'm a product of that because my former employer nurtured me, gave me a lot of autonomy, put resources at my disposal, and he benefited from nurturing me and allowing me to grow his business. So your team can make you successful. You just have to emphasize and nurture that first. And obviously your patients, because they ultimately decide if they trust you enough to give you their business and continue to come to your practice, right? So those two things I would say,
0: you know, in this, I actually have this um, over here that I'm going to mention, but uh, that is so true because the practices that we work with, we see do well, they have team members that stick around and because they stick around because the office is always providing them new opportunities to grow professionally. Um, Whether it's an assistant, whether it's the office man, whatever the case is, continuing their education, they invest in their team, and when you invest in your team, that's the best ROI, in my opinion, that you can have for the practice, and we live by that here at Crimson Media too, and there's a great book if anybody – um, is out there and is kind of looking to become a, a better leader because um, I feel like we can always become better leaders. We're never at the peak. But it's, it's called The Dichotomy of Leadership uh, by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. These I are two former it. Navy SEALs. And this book kind of talks about how in the Navy SEALs, they lead teams in very stressful situations, way more stressful than running a business would be because they're in combat. These are you know, military. But it, it really teaches you a lot of lessons on how you can grow that team because the, if you have a constant churn in your office where your team members are leaving, I'm sure you see it all the time. It's like you can't ever get momentum that way, yes. and it, it's hard to build that culture. So setting that culture – that's why I think like mission statement and values are in the company are so important. It's not just a – Ah, uh, you know it's there because you know it's a formal thing to do. It's like no, I think you have to live by that mission statement. You have to 100%. make sure when you're interviewing people, they live with that mission statement. They understand it and and they're passionate about it because at the end of the day, that's the road. That's the you know the, yes. the foundation exactly, of everything, yes. right?
1: One hundred percent. Yes, this is this is so true. And I, as a business owner myself, I have uh, taken the the time to jot down what my our mission is our core values and i only work with and hire people with my core values and also clients that share those core values but one of the things that we help our elite clients do as well is before we go through the process is the self-assessment if you will and 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 putting all of these things that you just mentioned in place so that when we're hiring we're hiring with alignment for the 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 core you know values of the practice and the mission and, and it makes a significant difference so this this i we can talk forever i'm sure we have run right out of time and <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're probably going to have but to do a follow-up episode, it seems, because we've got more that we need to uh, discuss, because I, I want to really jump we got deeper. We down, like, three,
1: three points we wanted to talk about, it, but I think we're still on the first, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, we, and uh, the insurance thing especially is one I'm like, oh, I want to jump into that with Maritza really bad, so with
1: more, yeah, we, we will, sure. yeah, it. for
0: all those listening, we're going to, we'll schedule a, a follow-up part two to this at some point, because um, there's a lot here, but one thing I just uh, – before we you know, wrap up here, Maritza, is you know, I want to thank all of our listeners here for tuning in today as well. And I just want to know how can you know, people who are maybe on that journey right now, they're considering starting uh, practice, acquiring a practice, uh, what's, you know, what's the best way that they can get in touch with, with you and your team?
1: Sure, I mean, I am in social media. I, I, uh, you can find me in any of the social media platforms, Maritza E. Duran. Um, you can visit my website, mdent, uh, mdentcs.com, or you can email me, send me an email. My email is maritza at mdentcs.com. And I am more than happy and looking forward to being um, part of the journey with anyone that it's looking into practice ownership whether again they're looking to launch an office from scratch or taking to an existing practice um and 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 need guidance and support through their journey yeah
0: awesome well you're doing amazing things in dentistry keep it up we will to everybody listening or watching we will plug this into the uh show notes below so the website email address and all that so you can you know easily you know click and access that but uh, definitely reach out to Maritza and her team doing great things in dentistry and and that's just this is what's fun about this right we get to connect with people who are you know doing it right in the dental field that's what i like to say and um yeah we just really appreciate your time this friday morning and look out for a part two because we're definitely gonna have to schedule a part two uh maybe we dive even deeper into uh the insurance game since i know people want to hear more about that i'm sure
1: looking forward to it thank you so much shane for having me i appreciate it And I will see you around. I can't wait for our next episode.
0: (laughs) Yep, sounds good. All right, thanks, everybody. We will um, be, yeah, scheduling a part two. Be on the lookout for that. And thanks for tuning in.